Yes, yes, glory be, and welcome back to another episode of Q Points Podcast. I am DJ Sir Daniel. And my name is Jay Ray, sometimes known by my government as Johnny Ray Cornegay III. What's happening, people? So it's a funny thing that's happening, Sir Daniel. I'm used to uh-huh. looking at my camera on this side. The camera's uh-huh. over there. I'm going to do my best. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to make it happen. We're going to make it happen like Mariah Carey. And keep yes. on dropping the needle on Black music history as we do each and every episode. Jay Ray, aside from a new camera, what's going on? How you feeling? <laughs> Uh, oh my God, today has been so crazy. You know, this is one of those days, I'm gonna keep it real, cue points. Everything feels overwhelming. Um, Mm. but being here on this show in this moment right now is an escape. You know, I'm getting the opportunity to talk to you, Sir Daniel, I'm getting a chance to kick it with all of our cue points fam. So I'm good. I'm ready to... Uh, have this, uh, we got a lot to talk about tonight, y'all, but I'm ready to do tonight. How you doing, man? You know what? I, I feel you. Uh, and ladies and gentlemen, this is how I know um, J-Ray was having one of those days. I sent J-Ray maybe at least three different links to different stories about stuff that was just happening music-wise um, in real time. And when I, not a peep, not a response. I said, his head is down. He is in the trenches working because J. Ray is always working. But, you know, just like you said, J. Ray, um, this is a moment that we can get together. Um, just you, me and the listener and just kick it and talk about, you know, various things that are music related, mm-hmm. but also we're, we're world, we're citizens of the world as well. So we have to, you know, to talk about what's happening around us as well. And we're going to delve into that. But before we do all of that, shout out to all our early listeners, the, the folks that are joining into the live recording um, as we're on the air and checking us out. And But Jay Ray, let's talk to the folks and remind the listener of how they can be, how they can do their due diligence and be the best cue point citizens that they can be. Oh, man. Y'all are already doing that. There are folks who are joining us. Drop where you're joining from, by the way, in the chat. Let us Mm -hmm. know where you're tuning in from. Shout out to Carlton, um, who was in the chat um, earlier. So thank you so much for joining us, Carlton. And thank you to all of y'all. So I say all that to say, you're doing the very best thing that you can do right now. I'm going to stop looking at this empty camera and over here. (laughs) You're doing the very best thing that you can do already. And that's by tuning into the show, watching us, um, and sharing the show with your friends. That's also really important. uh, That's absolutely free. (laughs) Does it cost you anything? But it makes a world of difference for podcasters. So make that a thing that you do for 
all of your uh, podcasts that you listen to as well. Listen, subscribe, share the show. It helps us all for people to discover it. If you want to go a step further, support Q Points, you can visit our website at QPoints.com. Click the subscribe button and you can become a member. You can also join our mailing list. But thank you all just for being here. Shout out to Mark over in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, so, so good to see y'all. Sir Daniel, we are about to have um, an, a conversation about an artist that for both you and I was this mm-hmm. ever present kind of figure who did so much <laughs> in his career and um, was really influential. So uh, we are going to talk tonight about Barry White. So as you could see, we're continuing in this line. We started the conversation with Teddy Pendergrass. We moved on to Isaac Hayes. Now we're at our brother, Barry White. Now, show you right. right. Just a a quick history of Barry White. So like, uh, you know, unlike Teddy, but like Isaac Hayes, uh, Barry White was born in the South. He was born in Texas. He was raised, though, out in Cal. He was raised, yeah, he was raised in California, uh, the Watts South Central area and was always into music. So at a very young age, Barry White began playing piano, um, which happened for a lot of these folks, right? You know, we talk a lot of, on cue points about music in schools. So church for, for, for black folks, a lot of the folks that we talk about church mm-hmm. and school, is a place that the music education started. And that's what's really sad too about today is because we don't really have, neither of those institutions, right? Um, Play a role um, in that musical development today. But that being said, um, Barry White um, got into a whole lot of stuff as a youngster. So he ended up uh, going to prison um, at a young age. He was into the gang situation out in LA um, mm-hmm. and ended up going to prison. And it was when he got out of prison that he decided that music was going to be the thing that he focused on. And I'm so glad that he did <laughs> um, because it was uh, like Isaac Hayes again, Barry White was a writer and producer. So he was like behind the scenes writing for folks. He sang in some doo-wop groups um, and was doing that because, you know, with the Barry White's voice, he could hit them low notes. So he was, of course, doing the doo-wop thing. This is the early 1960s. And did that for a long time before um, just kind of sparking out on his own. Um, And in the early 1970s, where we really get to meet Barry White as an artist, he formed the Love Unlimited Orchestra. So, Sir uh, Sir Daniel, I got a question. Because that's unheard of today, right? A person is like, here's what I'm going to do. I am going mm-hmm. to set out. I'm, I'm I'm a producer. People know me as a producer. I am going to form my own orchestra. Right on. <laughs> that's like that's amazing to me. You know, um, and I'm I am going to speak in this octave for the rest of this um, podcast. But uh, 
Yes. Um, speaking back to a point you were making earlier about uh, schools and churches and music programs, um, shout out to my mother who um, bought a piano. Um, I was it? I believe I was eight years old and bought a piano um, that had to be carried up our on a, to the second floor of our walk up apartment. And um, I had piano lessons. Um, didn't stick with it for long because I just I didn't see the vision yet. I didn't see the love that could have been. I didn't see. Listen, if Sir Daniel had learned how to play piano and stuck with it, y'all wouldn't be able to tell me nothing right now. I'd probably be on tour with somebody as we speak. But um, uh, is this too much? Uh, <laughs> okay, I'm gonna. It's my favorite. Thing. It might be. It might be a little too much. It's okay. probably getting the people um, hot. Who's hot it, it, listening to Sir Daniel's <laughs> Barry White voice? You can drop it in the dr- chat. Dr- it's okay. It chat. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, no. Um, but yeah, I, I. That's one of my one regret that I have is that I did not stick with learning to play the piano or at least see it all the way through because I really believe that could have taken me to to different to a different height, to different places. But we're here. We're here and we're talking about exactly what you said. Barry White um, creating an orchestra. That was a that was an innovation that we saw a lot of young men that were interested in music back then. They were interested in creating duop groups. They were interested in creating choirs. They were interested in creating bands. Mm-hmm. You know, you and and in his case, a whole orchestra. We're talking string sections, wind sections, the whole nine. And then you have people like the Commodores who met in school. Being in a band, creating, creating a collective of people in the name of music is it's just not something that we see often today anymore and i i'm I'm thinking i don't know it's because you know we can't blame everything on technology but technology does kind of um incubate or create this this feeling of a one-man island where i can do everything on my own in my room and you know if somebody hot wants to get on this track so be it But there's no, I think part of the sauce, part of Barry White's magic is being able to conduct. Do you know what that takes to conduct an orchestra? Yeah. There are, how many people are typically in the orchestra, Jay Ray? I I don't know. know. If anyone knows in the chat, definitely let us know or comment because um, I know for, I know, I mean, I think, um, uh, I think it could be pretty much any size, but yes, but you do have, you are commanding multiple sections playing many instruments. And the other layer to this, that is a talent is you got to write that music. These people, this is not jamming out, you know, to a song. You literally, these people who are playing those things need sheet music. They need to know when to come in and what to play when it's their time. He composed these bodies of works. And like Jay Ray said, this is on sheet music because your musicians need something to go off of. And that means you have to be able to read music mm-hmm. or, you know, or what is, what does Dion Ward call it? Sight reading of uh-huh. music? Yes, yes, yes. 
those are all talents that the talents that are that were honed yep. that have to be honed and have to you know be cultivated in order to create what he did and now what i did in research find out is that barry white was notorious for very long titles it was like <laughs> very very long titles of his groups long song titles you know it's going to be extensive because he's a verbose person you know yeah my favorite one of my favorite uh barry white songs is I'm going to love you just a little bit more, baby. Not baby. I'm going to love you just a little, just a little. It's I'm going to love you just a little more, baby. I'm like, babe, right. you didn't have to put the bait. You didn't have to that's put that in there, Barry. <laughs> that's a mouthful. If you're a DJ, that's a mouthful. Yeah. Imagine it written on a 45. That's a lot. <laughs> Too much. Too much. Too much. <laughs> so to that point, Let's you know, in talking about Barry, so not only, of course, was he an accomplished musician and composer, um, because them songs was fire. Um, the voice. Once again, we are now back on this conversation, y'all. Barry White is playing on Quiet Storm right now. He was playing earlier on classic R&B radio today. This is a man whose voice was in was on pop radio at one point. There is nothing like that today and his voice resonated through them little speakers in that car like nobody's business. You know what? I I wonder if somebody could do a study on that. Um if why people seem to be drawn towards more of a falsetto today than a heavy baritone. Like Barry White got that voice at the age of 14. Can you imagine like, seeing man, this little this little this little boy? You're like, hello. You're like, what the um, Imagine waking up one morning and you sound like that. And people are like, oh, do you have a call? No, that's just that's just how I talk, baby. You know, <laughs> you gotta add the baby at the end. <laughs> that's just how. And and then add on to that, he was a you know he was a heavy cigarette smoker, right? <laughs> so that took the oct that took the octaves down even lower. So, but Ahmed, that uh, that's a gift that was his trademark. And that's we'll talk about it later, but that served him very well outside of music. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Uh, no, you, you, um, we mentioned the Love Unlimited Orchestra, but of course there was a group uh, consisted of three amazing black women, including one married to Barry White, Glow Dean, which is a heck of a name. I love that name so much. Baby, that is a black. That is a black ass name. Her pro her brother's probably named Gloria, and her father's name was Dean. So right. they probably just called Glodine. Glodine. Glodine with the long nails. You think Coco of SWV has long nails? Glodine started that. Glodine did. I was when I was a kid. Um, sidebar. Glodine used to be on like Solid Gold and stuff like all the time, like mm. in eighties television. Glodine White was visible a lot and she would have them nails and they would be like gold and like doing things that freaked me out as a kid <laughs> i did not understand 
<laughs> and then Coco the came along. <laughs> and then Coco came along and took it. So the nails didn't do it for you. No. <laughs> no. Yeah, I can see how they would be scary looking. But, you know, again, you got three chocolate sisters um, that he, you know, he produced for Love Unlimited. How, how did and, they come about, Sir Daniel? How do, you, how do we think it came about? So I, I'm, I'm betting dollars to donuts that during a studio session... Um, Barry rolled up on them like, hey there, ladies. Listen now, you foxy ladies, you got a real cool sound. And I think you need to get on the bandwagon. You need to get on the right team. Because, you know, he had that pimp thing going on. Yeah. You need, you need to get on the right team and join your boy. Because I think you would be real, real solid as a trio. Because, you know, Diana Ross and the Supremes, you know, they were cool. But they on their way out. But I got a new funky sound that I bet you foxy ladies could really turn out. So what you say, what you about to, what you going to do? You going to get the winning with the winning team or what? <laughs> sure, you're right. Uh, that fits my reenactment, yeah. uh, my interpretation of what m- might have happened in the studio when Barry, Wright, Barry White rolled up on you and said, hey, let's form this Supergirl group. <laughs> and Love Unlimited had bops like so Barry White we talked about this Barry White was a producer right so Barry was not only creating his own stuff Barry was like sprinkling his magic on like other artists as well so he was much in the same vein of um, a Stevie Wonder or a or a later years of course a Prince and a Rick James Barry White was doing the exact same thing where he was an artist himself but he would also work with all these other folks produce their stuff have the have a have his folks singing on stuff it was a whole machine um that this brother was uh that was running in the early 1970s but the thing about that, before we got Barry, we probably wouldn't have even gotten Barry White, the soloist, the superstar, had it not have been for one of his um, business partners, one of his, <coughs> excuse me, one of his business partners forcing him into the forefront because he he was a reluctant star. He absolutely did, had no no um, plans on becoming a front man. But to your point, when you, it gets to a point where you're cutting demos, boys and girls, you're cutting demos, and which is short for a demonstration mm-hmm. of how a song is supposed to be sung on the music. He's already composed the music, and so now he's written the lyrics, and he's going in the studio and he's singing it the way you want, a, or you fit, you want a singer to sing it and to produce it for the um, for public consumption. And so he would get in the studio and make these demos, and the record label was like, "Hold up, <laughs> Barry, <laughs> Barry, um, this right here is a hit." So all of that stuff about not being a superstar, not being a front man, we're gonna you're gonna have to get over that because we're putting you out. We're gonna put you out in the forefront. And Jay Ray, I'm wondering. Because now, now we look at, at Barry White as the prototype for the for the ultimate fly big boy, right? Yep. He before we had Heavy D before Notorious B.I.G. There was Barry White. 
Yep. There is so much, so many, so much footage and so many images of Barry White. Barry White was a pristine looking man. Mm-hmm. He was a he was a large man. Mm-hmm. He was tall. He was imposing. But I mean, do we need to start with the hair that, or do we need to start with the gear? Which which one where you want to start? You know what? Here? Let's go from top to bottom because that process, that perm that was happening, dumb curls were quaffing. It, you never, you really never saw him without his hair laid. Like him and Glodine had like, I bet you. Can you imagine them sitting in the in matching dryers under matching dryers with their hairs in complete roller sets, animal print and robes. <laughs> and back then, you know, those rollers were big barrel rollers. They were either pink or they were blue. Because you and I, we both saw our mothers set their hair. Mm-hmm kids there was a time when women would sit down and set their hair every single night mm-hmm. with these either these pink foam rollers or these hard barrel pink like wide barrel pink rollers and so that they would in the next morning they would have what they called bouncing and behaving hair <laughs> with lots of volume so I, I say all that to say that man was pristine. He kept his hair coiffed. And I'm thinking, I, I don't call me on this, but I'm thinking that was an ode to James Brown because a lot of them looked up to James Brown and and the quad, the, the conk and the perm, mm-hmm. that was a look. Little Richard, all of those men had, had that hair. And so he carried that on. But, you know, that man was pristine. He had, I'm sure he had like custom made outfits oh, yeah. from hats to the turtlenecks with the jackets he wore lots of velvet he looked very regal Mm -hmm. and royal let's not even get on the the jewelry you know he then the pimp nail yeah you know the the one pimp nail we know that we know know that that was for for. yeah (laughs) but again like the gentleman that we have in the past couple episodes that we spoke of Teddy Pendergrass, Isaac Hayes. This image was so popular, not only here in the United States, but that image got across the pond, Jay Ray. Mm-hmm. And he was such a star, especially in the United Kingdom. Mm-hmm. But you want to hear something foul? You know what they, they refer to him in the UK? They refer to him as the, what they call the Velvet Walrus. Ooh, because of, his yeah eyes. i yeah i i don't know if it was that was supposed to be complimentary or hmm. you know a little jab it was probably both but he still represented and that was very important to to a lot of black men i yeah. would think yeah i wonder to that point <clears throat> To that point, Sir Daniel, I wonder if some of the reluctance of being out front came from the fact of he was aware of his look Mm -hmm. and what and how that would be perceived as a front person or what what in his mind he thought a front person should look like. Because I immediately thought of that when 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 I saw the note that you were going to talk about the fact that he was a reluctant superstar. Um, We. We assume that Barry White was this, you know, smooth, you know, I'm very self-assured. But I wonder if that was true. 
and um and I'm sure at the beginning of his career there was there I wonder if there was some reluctance um and stuff like the velvet wall first of all those words don't sound good together like no. velvet walrus I don't know anyone that would want to be called a walrus love somebody let me know are walruses like animals like high esteem animals i really don't know but i will certainly i don't want anybody calling me one i don't want anybody no. referring to me as an animal that's you know of course as a black thing i don't want don't call me no animals i don't want that well it was high key racism you know yes because absolutely velvet, velvet refers to being black and then of mm -hmm. course walrus was um in regards to his his stature and mm -hmm. the you know he had he had a, a large head mm -hmm. and that's probably why he wore the big curls because you know when you're a big guy let's let's just be real let's let's let the people in on a secret when you're a big guy ladies and gentlemen you know how to do things to present your your body in the in the best possible light that you can mm -hmm. you work with what you got you try to make sure that you know your angles <laughs> you know what haircuts work best for you based on your face and your frame and you work that and you try to make it work to the best um that you know how what's the word everybody it's your man mr al peter mr peterson's neighborhood and the npn network and i'm here today to tell you about what the npn network consists of the npn network is an entertainment as well as a developing media company based in jacksonville florida our goal is to highlight various creatives that exist in spaces of music, visual arts, podcasting, and more. Within the network, we have multiple brands that will parallel with creatives, events, and other brands. The Neighborhood Podcast Network is a collective of independent podcast shows that has various topics ranging from the latest culture news, mental health, sports, and leisure conversations. We also have the Groove Suite brand that explores the realm of soul, hip-hop, R&B, funk, and more. The Groove Suite. Groove Suite. Our health and beauty section gives a view on how to keep yourself in shape, in style, and in tune with your body and your mental. Last, we have the Fly Socks and Tees, an annual summer event that brings creatives together to celebrate the past years and victories that were received. So swing by our website mpn-llc.com and subscribe so you can stay up on what's happening with the neighbors and the groovers also follow us on our facebook page as well as instagram and twitter mpn management building but becoming to the top he rose to stardom to heights that was unimaginable and then to be considered again here we are talking about eroticism mm -hmm. and black man in this country when comedians when hollywood wants to portray or ex um highlight male sexuality what is the first thing they do they did what i did in in the earlier clip of this show mm -hmm. is i deepened my voice mm -hmm. and i you know i i'll try to sound smooth and you know do that kind of thing because black men like barry white and isaac hayes were the prototype for that a country that was so scared of black men and black sexuality but yet and still they found a way to incorporate it in music and movies and selling clothing selling malt liquor whatever it is that it's so wild that this country 
I don't know if they feared us, fear. I don't know if it's fear or resented us, but at the same time, can't get enough of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, it's all of the above. Um, and I think it's actually a try. It should be a lesson to us. Big folks, big folks lean in a little bit. Um, Please. Because we can look back on brothers like Barry White and Heavy D and Biggie. Like Biggie was also fawned over by, you know, women who were, you know, into him. Mm-hmm. There is Barry exuded this sex appeal. There was that control. There was that confidence that we talked about. There was that pull togetherness that we talked about. But there was that deep, that deep voice, that fact that he's up there with, you know, the conductor's wand. I think it's called a wand. And he was up there with the conductor's wand doing the thing um, that allowed people to see him sexually. There are, listen, when I was a kid, Barry White would come on and the ladies would do a thing. Okay. Like, mm. I love that big. I love me some Barry White. <laughs> that big old teddy bear. Yep. And Glodine, and apparently the ladies loved him as well because mm-hmm. he had several relationships that um, resulted in several children. I'm sure Glodine was like. <laughs> Glo- now, Glodine, of course, she was the queen bee because she mm-hmm. was actually married to him and whatnot. But yeah, you know, again, the blueprint or one of the archetypes for what it means to be a black man and express or exude sexuality within the box of music. And it, I, I think the time in which he came out kind of lent to that. Mm-hmm. Um, nowadays, you know, I, I don't know. We just don't get fly like we used to. In my opinion, we don't get fresh like we used to. We don't, I don't know that the clothes even are conducive to it. Like, so here's the thing we're in. I mean, this is a whole, this is a whole sidebar, but you know, um, like we're in this fast, fast fashion era where, you know, the clothes turn over really quickly. You might get a year out of some joints. Whereas when we were younger, I felt like you could have a, the, the thing that would make the fashion pass would just be like, you can't wear that no more because it's out of style, like it's past. Mm-hmm. But I feel like the clothes would still be okay, right? You could right. wear them. You just should not because no longer people don't wear that. So I don't know that in this day, without spending a grip, that you could be as fly as what Barry was given. And we don't get that fly, I don't think, as a society anymore. Because it wasn't just Barry White. It was like when we when we were um, <clears throat> talking about Teddy Pendergrass. When you look at all them Teddy Pendergrass, it's like he had these long furs, and it was a lot. Yeah, you don't see none of lot. the R and B stars really like suited down fur coats. None of that. And even if they do it, there is a reluctancy. I don't know what it is. There's a reluctancy in in men nowadays portraying that because you'll see, and I see it all the time when I'm out spinning, I will see a couple come in and the woman is dressed to the nines. You hear me? (laughs) Hair done, nails done, everything did. Right. And then here he comes. And the, the guy that she's with 
is wearing might be wearing some a matching short set polo short set and he got on a, a fresh pair of uh, sneakers and that's it you know that's i think that's all we're that's probably all we're expecting mm. of a lot of guys because then on the other coin on the other side of that coin if you start to dress up too much then you're accused of being sassy so it's uh oh, you know that's there. the new yeah. yes the sassification of uh, that's oh uh, so another conversation so to this point <clears throat> i do think this is interesting and maybe this is going to lead to another show but i'm wondering mm-hmm. how much hip-hop we should go back and revisit our fashion. We've done a couple of fashion shows. I'm curious to know if we broached this part of the subject because when we look back on folks like Barry, that piece is missing. Um, real yeah. quick, though, before we... Because I want to get to... Because this is bringing up a vision of Barry. Now it's bringing up the, the 90s vision. We're going to get there. Mm-hmm. But okay. Barry's voice... Of course, it got... Because you mentioned this earlier. When Hollywood comes calling... They want a piece of you in all the different areas. And one of the ways that Barry White's image was used was just his voice, like, because he was used for like voiceover and animation Mm -hmm. stuff in Hollywood. Absolutely. I think it started um, like in 1972. He was a part, his voice was used in um, a cartoon. cartoon. Uh, As a matter of fact, Gen Xers, who, who remembers the banana splits? Oh the yeah, show that mm-hmm. sitting Marty Croft of the Banana Split. Barry White wrote and voiced one of their biggest songs. Do the Banana Split, as a matter of fact, he wrote that, and um, so his voice was in cartoons. He showed up in the eighties and nineties in The Simpsons. It, a lot in The Simpsons. <laughs> a lot in The Simpsons. I think, as a matter of fact, he was like the bus driver or something. He was a recurring character in the simpsons and um of course they use his music a lot in ally mcbeal mm-hmm. and he popped up in a few episodes of ally mcbeal you know but um to your point the industry music and hollywood will extract what they want from you mm-hmm. and of course when that era passed where he couldn't get away you know nobody was really looking at a a large black man of a certain age as a sex symbol but they still wanted his voice because it was recognizable you know they took it and they used it mm-hmm. they used it for a lot of things um but you know i'm pretty certain it, it, that continued to make him an icon it did because yeah. jerry i consider you iconic if i can dress up as you for halloween and that's right around the corner you're an icon yeah, because you're giving me an know, idea. <laughs> if people know exactly what you who you are just based on a costume, maybe it's if I showed up with a a, a bumped wig, with big <laughs> curls and whatnot, and and had a a, a conductor wand, yep. you up. Uh, you're being very white. Very white. Show, show you right. <laughs> I would get, I actually think we should do different versions of Barry White. For, oh, Halloween is around the corner and I can't celebrate it because I'll be traveling. But um, I want to get the Jerry, the Jerry curl wig. Barry. Ah, the wet, I'm thinking of like the 90s, wet, you know, the, Gary, wet, the wet Gary. one with like the, with like the, the, the leopard print shirt and like the V, the, the V. Because now, Sir Daniel, we have arrived to the R&B classic. 
that we have to talk about the secret garden come join me in the secret garden baby now so before we started recording jay ray and i were talking about we we thought about it secret garden quincy jones first of all shout out to quincy jones for pulling this is like his opus his 90s Mm. opus of gathering all these hot r&b um singers songwriters to be a part of this one project we got tamia out of it Mm -hmm. we had we got tevin campbell Mm -hmm. Uh, you know all of this due to quincy to it was called the man wasn't it uh no this was the back on the block era so the back Back on the block block. you know that was when he was jumping in so that joint featured Ray Charles, Shaka Khan, I'll be good to you, good to you, jam, baby. And the back on the block was Quincy incorporating like hip hop into like the Quincy Jones style. So QD3, shout out to QD3 um, and all of those cats. But to your point, one of the joints that we got that will never die was the Never ever die. (laughs) Jerry, that's like the ultimate R&B male posse cut. <laughs> it really is. It really and it was is. may have been the first posse cut by our, a group of R&B men. Mm-hmm. So Secret Garden featured I'll Be Sure, mm-hmm. uh, Elder Barge, mm-hmm. James Ingram, Barry White, James Ingram, and Barry White, missing anyone, and Barry White. Mm-hmm. So a a very important record. It's still a staple of uh, Quiet Storm formats across the country. But Barry White's voice, you know, you had Elder Barge giving mm-hmm. you a, a, what he does, mm-hmm. the falsettos, the high notes, and James and everybody else in between. But I don't think that record would be the classic that it is without Barry White anchoring it with his baritone. No, Quincy Jones knew exactly what to do. So Barry is the end of that song. So you've now gone through all of these different voices and you get Barry talking, right? You don't, he don't start singing first. He starts talking and you know, he's going to, and so you like, oh, here he come. <laughs> I'll take Again with the narration. Oh, you. <laughs> yes. With the Remember going back to like we Isaac Hayes, the, narration. the yes. narration where, and that happened on a bunch of, that happens on a bunch of Barry songs and Love Unlimited songs. Like before you get the song, you're going to get the story. So Barry did that thing. Like, no, we're going to bring you in. We're going, we're going to let these people feel this voice before we have you sing anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You got to. You know, for lack of a better term, you just can't like plow your way through it. You got to get people ready, <laughs> and that's exactly what, and that's exactly what Barry White did on this record. You know, you got you have to prime the listener, yes. and that whole record they were priming the listener for this for this climactic moment with Barry, and um, oh, what was I about to say? I I just lost my point regarding uh <laughs> regarding that record oh so jerry and i were hashing through some theories about who we thought could have been on the record but was not nope 
somebody that works very closely with Quincy Jones. Yep. Jerry, who 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 could have been on that record but was not? Oh, we forgot. Did we we mentioned Albie we mentioned, Shore, right? Let let's talk about it because I think the let's people in the Albie. chat after we have this conversation are going to Albie Shore's vocal on mm-hmm. the Secret Garden is very distinct and similar to uh-huh. another artist's vocal style. Yeah. Um, that Carlton got it. Carlton's on, on, Carlton, on the cake. Carlton Ready? got it. Albie Shore's vocal in The Secret Garden sounds just like a Michael Jackson vocal. Like, so my running gag with The Secret Garden, and I was like, the only note they gave to Albie Shore was like, yes, more Michael, though. <laughs> like, just go back. <laughs> more Michael. And so, of course, we got to talking, and here's how we felt how we think the conversation went in that studio. Hey, Michael, baby, man, you know, just hop on this record for me. That's Quincy Jones, y'all. Just hop on this record for us. It's going to be a smash. Oh, Quincy, I I really can't. I don't have time. Please, get somebody else to do it. I, I can't. <laughs> yeah, so- he was, Michael was definitely asked to be on the record, and I'm, we're for certain turn it down but that was just my interpretation of how it went down he he hit quincy jones with the get somebody else to do it <laughs> and but they got i'll be sure i'll be Shout sure i'll be sure <laughs> who you know for all intents and purposes quincy jones selected yeah. remember i'll be sure was the sony innovator there what was that 86 Eight, 88 when 86 uh, 87 because yeah. the yeah so i'll be sure mm-hmm. was handpicked by Quincy Jones because I'm pretty certain he saw and heard something that he found very familiar to other artists that he worked with in the past. But um, yeah, super important record. And Jay Ray made a great point. Without secret, um, the Secret Garden, we wouldn't have had Levert, Sweat, and Gill. No. So have- yeah, this is like the, I'm sure it was like a vision that you know, you could get an R&B super group and make it work, right? Because I, I, I actually think, you know, there was the Temptations had tried it before um, and it didn't quite work. The Secret Garden was, of course, just a song on an album. I'm sure somebody mm-hmm. in the studio said, we should get together and do a thing. And somebody was probably like, no. Um, but yeah, we wouldn't have gotten LSG. And I think... LSG would have continued had had a uh, Gerald Levert not passed away we would have mm-hmm. gotten another LSG record because they popped um and it worked for them um and don't forget Tank Genuine and Tyrese yeah what was they Tank know. what was they TG TGT you know yeah. uh oh LSG had two albums there we go see I, yeah. I'd be forgetting time be flying thank you Carlton so this record is an enduring classic, but it's a classic. It would be a completely different record if Barry White was not on the album. Exactly. And that was well into the 90s. Yep. Um, well into the hip hop era. Yep. And like our last show, the 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 focal point of our last show, Isaac Hayes, Barry White's records have been sampled 
to no end. I mean, hundreds of times they have been sampled, they've been remade, they've been covered. But when we're talking about the realm of hip hop, Barry White is like a go-to when it yeah. comes to hip hop. And we're going. I'm going to ask Jay Ray the same question we um, answered in the last episode. What is your favorite Barry White sample? Okay, this was hard. Okay, so this was, was so hard. Many, yeah. It was a lot of them, and the other challenge was Barry White like we talked about, produced so many joints. So I didn't actually pick a Barry, a, a Barry White song. I actually picked a song that Barry White wrote and produced. And I actually got, I kind of got two. All right, I'm going to just do this one because one is real cringe. I'm going to do the one that's not cringe first, and then I'm going to do the one that's cringe. So the song I picked um, is... <laughs> Is most deaths the panties from a most deaf album that I really like, the new danger, but it samples Tom Brock's um I Love You More and More. I Love You More and More is a jam, y'all. If you've never heard that song, go listen to Tom Brock's I Love You More and More. It is written and produced by Barry White. It is completely a bop. But yeah, so the panties is what I think is like my favorite use of like uh a Barry White song it was just like yeah i think it was like a very complimentary sort of thing now this one is eh. so 88 keys on uh the death of adam um did a song and it featured um the the love unlimited joint um which shoot what's the name of that song uh uh in the rain yeah no it's the oh dang it i can't remember which song it is Anyway, it'll come to me in a second. But the Love Unlimited, uh, the 88 Keys song, um, it's called Handcuff Them. <laughs> I'm sorry, hmm. y'all. Yeah. And, um, oh, the joint is, of course, it's a long, very white title. And it sounds like every other. That's why I couldn't think of it. It, it samples I Love You So, Never Gonna Let You Go. Mm-hmm. That What I love about that joint is it's such an energetic song. The song is real cringe. I'm not going to lie. But the sample, the way he flips that sample is dope. So go check it out. And it's gonna probably go on my, my list of problematic faves. Can I do a, a, a can I do a runner up too? My runner sure. up, real quick. Uh uh, it's all about the Benjamins. So that also samples mm-hmm. a Love Unlimited joint. I did it for love from their third album. And um, that it's from a Barry White joint. That is a Barry White sample. So, there we go. Mm-hmm. okay, great. I love those. Um, I came up with one. I'm lazy, but this I I this song has been sampled so many times and chopped up. People, the piano section has been used countless times. I'm Ooh. talking about. We mentioned this song earlier. I'm going to love you just a little bit more, baby. Baby. <laughs> long, the king of long titles. But yeah, that mm-hmm. it's been used by uh, it's been used by LaShawn on Totally Awesome, which is the B-side to Wild Thing. Mm-hmm. It's been used by Boss and Deeper and Deeper mm-hmm. and Deeper. 
Is it was on the new Eric Danger too. Him. Yep, that same most Def album includes that sample too. <laughs> it's been, I mean, countless times that I just wonder what one of those, like, just how much of his estate is just based on sample clearances alone Mm -hmm. because that record is crazy sampled in Mm hip-hop over and over again so i just wonder that's my particular favorite because i'm a fan of that that rolling piano that um that is sampled throughout the record but because people use that that beginning or they use that yep yeah mm-hmm. lots of dope records have been uh, are based off of that one unlimited love unlimited um orchestra jam and i think once again and this is the same for isaac hayes because those songs were so long and they had so many parts <laughs> and it was yeah, an orchestra yeah. right because they had changes you could literally sample one song many times and be like no that's the same song it's just the third section of that song yep. you know it's the power you could take you could take the piano you could take the drums i think a lot of people just use the drums yep all of that Yep. So before we start beatboxing, J. Ray, we're going to wrap up this episode because we have, I know we've been talking your ears off, <laughs> but we had a lot to say in this episode. There's a lot going on and we wanted to give Barry White his props. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope you that, um, I hope you all enjoyed this particular episode. Um, make sure you join us next for the next episode. Yeah, wait till you see who we're talking about, y'all. We're going to round this thing out. We're going to round it out. You you're not you're you might have a clue, but you think you know, but do you really know? Right. So you're just going to have to stay tuned. But J Ray, remind the listener how they can continue to support Q Points before we start packing up so we can head to Baltimore. Boom. Listen, y'all are doing exactly what y'all need to do and it is watching or listening. So wherever you are, hit the subscribe button so that you can stay up on Q Points and go ahead and share the show. If you're into what we give over here at Q Points, let the folks know that we do this on Thursday nights um, live, but then you can also, of course, follow the show wherever you listen to or watch your podcast. Um, Visit our website, QPoints.com. Hit subscribe if you would like to support the show in that way. You can also shop our store. That's also great. And you can join our mailing list. All right, ladies and gentlemen, what do I always say? In this life, you have a choice. You can either pick up the needle or you can let the record play. I am DJ Sir Daniel. My name is Jay Ray, y'all. And this is Q Points Podcast, dropping the needle on black music history. We'll see you on the next go round. Peace. Peace.